Good afternoon, Tuscaloosa. Good afternoon, Tuscaloosa Internet World, West Alabama, downtown Northport, wherever you're watching the Joe Gaither Show, right here on Bama Central, BamaCentral.com. This is the Joe Gaither Show on a football Friday. We're going to have a lot of fun hanging out with all of our friends. We're going to have a lot of friends jump in and join us on a football Friday. We're going to talk Alabama, Texas A&M. We're going to talk all kinds of other SEC matchups, Kentucky and Georgia, Missouri and LSU. We're going to have a lot of fun today. And, uh, yeah, if you haven't watched any of the episodes this week, I recommend you at least go back and check out yesterday's episode. We had Olin Buchanan of TexAx.com join us. And we were joined by Todd McVay, Topkins High school quarterback Jalen Milrose high school quarterback uh joined us uh, high school quarterbacks coach uh, joined us yesterday on the program so if you want to hear about uh the Texas A&M Aggies from uh, Owen Buchanan you can Mr. TexAgs.com has been covering them out in College Station for longer than I've been alive and then we had Jalen Milrose high school coach telling you all about Mr. Jalen Milrow making his first uh, first appearance back in Texas as a starting quarterback. So we're going to have a lot of fun. We're going to bring on Michael Bronner from WNSP. We're going to bring on the Bama Central staff that shows up. We're going to have Katie Windham join us. I think I'm about to call Blake Byler and, and Austin Hannon. They told me to call him on the phone. We're going to have a couple of my Yahoo friends ju- jump in and join me as well. I think... Uh, I think my cousin might be hanging around. I think some of my fantasy football buddies might be hanging around. But they will bring an opposite interesting perspective because none of them are Bama fans. Uh, So we will have a lot of fun here on the show. We're going to talk to uh, our friend Michael Bronner, our friend Katie Windham first, because they are right on time. We're going to have a lot of fun right here on Football Friday. Michael Bronner, WNSB. You hear him down there in Mobile, the Sound of Mobile app, calling all the Saraland games. Telling us, going to tell us all about Ryan Williams. Is Ryan Williams going to reclassify to 2024? Ooh, well, Michael Bronner, how are you doing today? Well, that's a hot start. First of all, happy birthday, Joe. Happy birthday, uh, Joe. Appreciate you having me on the show today. Yeah, I mean, so as for Ryan Williams reclassifying, we talked about that last time I was on the show. I don't have any new inside information Come for on. you on that. Yeah, I'm sorry to disappoint uh, Sarah Land may very well be the greatest high school football team in the state of Alabama history. We'll find out as playoff time comes around. But you well, know, Chocolate's going to have something to say about that. Well, they just defeated Perry Thompson's Foley team seventy to twenty last week. Wow. So <laughs> I mean, it, it's uh, it's pretty silly every time they step onto a football field. We'll keep watching. I don't think anyone's challenging them in the regular season. I don't think anyone's going to challenge them until they get to Super Sevens. Maybe it's Crimson Tide commit Jalen and Bakway's Clay Chalkfield team that gives them a battle in in the Super Sevens. I don't know, but I I don't really see them losing. But maybe I'm wrong. We'll see what happens. Katie Windham from Katie Windham from Bama Central is the only expert on the show today. So we're, we're excited to bring on Katie. She's going to make the show a whole lot smarter. We have my friends already hanging out, lining up. My man Isaac Bell rocking the Phillies uniform today. And my man James Gaither. Are you wearing Packers gear? No, you're out. You're out. You're out. You're out. Goodbye. Goodbye. Katie Windham, how are you doing today? I'm good, Jeff. How are you? Very, very good. I'm having Sorry, a great I'm day so far. Right Katie, uh, are, you <laughs> are you already out in Texas? I am. I'm oh, my gosh. What's the, you're in Houston. What's the vibe? You know, I haven't really been out and about. I'll go do that after this. But, um, yeah, it's good to be out in Texas. We're actually starting to get a little bit of fall weather out here, too. So, going to enjoy that this weekend. We got a big game on tap, too, of course. Is everything bigger out in Texas? You know it. There we go. Isaac Bell living over there in Atlanta, hanging out with us, beats my ass every day, every week in fantasy football. 
You ready for a little uh, Braves Phillies? Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm actually going to game one uh, on Saturday, so looking forward to it. Oh, gosh. Katie's a big Braves fan, so uh, y'all have to uh, have a little banter. Uh, no, how uh, update the casual. The baseball fans, are, you know, only watch every five minutes every, once a year. Are the Phillies – do the Phillies have a chance? Bryce Harper back in action? I think they do. I think they're doing pretty well. Uh, the first round of playoffs, our co-aces had a uh, – Co. 0.6 ERA combined over something like 13 innings or something like that. So uh, they're looking pretty good. I'm excited for it. I uh, <clears throat> I think it'll be a good match, good series. It's gonna be a lot of fun, Katie. You, are y'all gonna take down the Phillies? Y'all, y'all basically been rocking the uh, NL East the entire season. Yeah, I mean the Braves are the best team in baseball, but you never know what can happen in the playoffs. So I'm like cautiously optimistic. I'm like we should win the World Series this year, but then I'm like I don't want to like. I don't know. I don't want to jinx it. So I'm hopefully going over to game two on Monday and uh, have tickets for NLCS if the Braves make it. So Okay. All right. Well, that'll be a lot of fun. We'll, we'll, we'll keep our eyes on the baseball series as well. James is jumping in and out. I'm sure he's working. Uh, he works at Howard High School, which is the home of Reggie White, which is hence the Reggie White uh, jersey. Also Packers fan. So that gives a little context right there. But we're going to have some fun on Football Friday. I don't know. What do we want to start? We weren't, we're obviously going to focus on Texas A&M and Alabama. Uh, it's a big matchup going into the weekend, 2.30 on CBS. You can follow all the coverage all at, at BamaCentral.com at Katie Wyndham underscore will have – oh, I should probably dial up uh, Blake and Austin. They're on the road as we speak. Uh, and so, yeah, Michael, I'll start with you and talk about uh, Texas A&M and, and, and Alabama. you got a lot of people in, in the Alabama area picking against Alabama, terrified. They're scared that Jimbo Fisher's got the juju and all those recruits that he quote-unquote bought are going to uh, scare and beat Alabama for the second time in College Station. Count myself in that terrified group. Uh, I mean – why, why Why? would you not be? They have an elite front seven. They have an ability to stop the run. I think the formula for this Alabama team to win games is Jalen Miller throwing 12 to 15 passes, and I don't think you're going to be able to win this game with Jalen Miller throwing 12 to 15 passes. I think it's going to be, have to be closer to 20 to 25. I think, uh, you know, y'all staff debunked this Jalen Milrow hamstring thing, which I'm very appreciative to you guys and Austin Hannon for uh, – you know, easing our fears on that thing. So I, I think we know Jalen Milrow is at least healthy going into this game. But yeah, I, I think Alabama fans collectively are starting to, I guess, trust Jalen Milrow a little bit more. But I don't think anyone is all in that Jalen Milrow is ready for this huge road performance in what's going to be the most difficult environment he's faced so far. I, I believe he's capable, and as they say, defense travels. But I think you still need to hold A&M to under 20 points in this game. And there's really been no drop-off for A&M from Connor Wigman to Max Johnson. So, yeah, I mean, of, of course I'm nervous. I, I think when you see line movement like this as well, from 6 to 1 by Friday, I think that's cause for nerves too. I, I, I guess maybe the line movement, you could chalk it up due to this Milrow hoax, as you guys called it, which I'm hoping it was a hoax. Maybe he tweaked his hamstring, maybe not. Either way, it seems like he's going to play. So, you know, I, I'll i tell you what, I'd rather have a fully healthy Ty Simpson than a 70% Jalen Milrow, but I do oh. think Jalen Milrow is healthy. So, well, you know, again, for better or worse, Jalen Milrow is this team's quarterback. So, you know, we'll see what happens. But he's got to stop, you know, leaving clean pockets, and he's going to have to hang in the pockets and, and make, some good, make, make some good throws to win this game. Is he capable of it? We'll find out. Well, let's uh, bring in our friend Austin Hannon, who broke that report. I think I have him on the phone. Austin, can you hear me? I can. Oh, well, excellent. Can y'all hear Austin through the computer side? 
Barely. Somewhat. Oh, yeah. Okay. We'll figure that out like. Now you're muted completely. Austin, why don't you tell us what you found out uh, over, you know, through your sources, your back channel sources. How is Jalen Milrow's hamstring? And then give us a little to, uh, update on Deontay Lawson as well. Yeah, I don't really have too much on Milrow. I mean, I, like you said, um, when, I, when I found out last night, that's what I was told, um, that nothing appeared to be wrong. And it was it would have been news to whoever was around the situation. So um, there, there might have been some kind of minor thing earlier in the week. Um, I wouldn't ne necessarily rule that out, but as of Thursday afternoon, he looked ready to go, and he, he's going to be the starting quarterback tomorrow. So um, I don't think there's anything to, to be worried about there. I think the only thing to worry about is what, what, what he's got to go against. So, um, yeah, on that front, Milrow's fine. And I've heard really good things about Lawson right now. Um, you know, early in the week, it was he wasn't really practicing much, and he was standing around. And um, But Wednesday and Thursday, he, he was a full participant. He had no injury, black jersey on. Um, and, and yesterday it sounded really good that he was kind of moving back to full speed and uh, wouldn't be surprised if he, he plays a lot tomorrow. So uh, good news on both fronts and, and really good news for Alabama. Well, it's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to be watching it at 2.30 tomorrow. Isaac, we're going to throw it to you for the neutral perspective on Alabama and Texas A&M. Uh, big time, just kind of football fan. Obviously, the Eagles uh, uh, carry carry your heart with Jalen Hurts. We love Jalen Hurts around these parts. What's your thoughts on uh, Texas A&M and, uh, and Alabama tomorrow at 2.30? Well, uh, unfortunately, I haven't been really watching the college as much this year with the uh, the kiddos and all that. But uh, but. I guess, uh, you know, you got to go with Bama there. I don't have a whole lot to add other than that. Katie, do you think that uh, – are, are you worried about the the, the Texas A&M defensive line going up against Alabama's offensive line, given Alabama's struggles? I mean, I think that is probably the biggest uh, – if Alabama can conquer that, you know, then they'll probably win this game because this defensive line's outside of Texas or maybe even above Texas is going to be the most talented they've faced so far this year. So – in, in that Texas game was at home when the crowd is in your favor. You know, anytime Alabama's on offense this weekend, it's the 12th man's going to be in full effect. So I think it's going to come down can, to can the offensive line communicate? Can they fix the snap issues? Obviously, that's been a big topic of conversation uh, in saving press conferences throughout the week and with Jalen Milrow. Uh, have Milrow and Seth McLaughlin figured out their best communication for this super, super loud uh, environment? And so – um, I, I think it is going to come down to that, the offensive line versus AM's defensive line. Can Alabama give Morrow time to throw? Or if, if not, is he able to scramble? And can they run block and so that they can move the ball down the field and maybe kill some clock? And so, uh, yeah, I think that's that's where probably the game's going to come down to. Michael Bronner, we uh, heard Nick Saban give a lot of uh, give give a little hell to to uh, give a little hell to our friend Tony Sakalis about being an under center guy. What do you think about all this shotgun snapping, all the issues that you're having? You heard Jalen Milrow earlier in the week talk about talk about uh, basically uh, it, it's, it's on me to communicate. It's on me to get to, to make sure that he can hear me. Uh, hearing him is one thing, but snapping him at snapping the ball at his feet or over his head or to his right or to his left is another. What do you make of the snapping issues? Yeah, I give Milrow a lot of credit for you know taking the blame on that, but. Frankly, anyone, anyone with eyes can tell you that. Sure, maybe, maybe so. Like, take for example the one that went over his head on the one yard line against Ole Miss. Again, that was not the best snap either. But you know, maybe he wasn't ready for it, and that added to it as well. But yeah, I mean, it seems like there's at least a good five or six snaps, pretty much in every game that are low. He's got to pick it up. 
I think if I'm remembering correctly, his first rushing touchdown against Middle Tennessee State was on a low snap that he had to pick up. I I can't really explain it for Seth McLaughlin. I, I don't know if it's a if it's a psychological thing going on with it. it it's a it's a very wacky issue. It's not so, like the basic thing a center needs to be able to do is snap the ball accurately out of the shotgun, and he's just not doing it at a consistent level right now. I don't really know what to make out of it. I don't think the answer is to just go under center more because it's 2023. You need to you need to be able to snap successfully out of the shotgun. I don't know what to make of it. I, I mean, the it sounds so simple, but the fix is to just snap the ball better. I, like, what else can you say? You just have to do it. You just have to do it, practice it more, get it right. I, I don't know what else to say on that because it's not like you have a much better option behind him. I, I mean, it's frustrating. It's one of the more frustrating. Of all the issues this offense has, it might, it's probably the most frustrating one. Absolutely. I'm throwing back to Austin on the road, driving out to uh, College Station. Austin, okay, uh, the conversation is the snaps. And you, you're talking about, okay, what do you do? What, what do you do? Oh, he's got me in speakerphone. That's why. What do you What do you do if uh, if Jay, if Seth McLaughlin cannot snap uh, or can't, can't can't go or has issues? You you've been reporting on injuries uh, pretty pretty consistently and pretty well over the last couple of weeks. CJ Ferguson apparently is on the mend. Um, if, if Seth McLaughlin can't go. Do you move or, or, or can't, can't, continues this snapping issues? Do you move Darian Dalcourt into the center position and put T.J. Ferguson in the guard? What are the options on the offensive line? Yeah, I mean, you said it. Ferguson is going to be back, um, which, you know, there was rumors that he had a little procedure done a couple weeks ago. This is the same one that Tua, uh, if you remember back in 2019, had done um, on his ankle to kind of get him ready for that LSU game. Ferguson had something similar. He had been out of practice, but – uh, he, he had been back in practice later in the week this week, so they think he is going to be good, good to go. Um, and I don't think he starts the game. I, I think it's going to they're going to stick with Dow Court, mostly just because I think that offensive line last week did have a good performance. Um, so they're going to keep riding with the hot hand. But I mean, we saw it against Ole Miss. Saban's not he's not shy. I mean, things aren't working. He's going to put Ferguson in the game if he needs to. Uh, it was working against Ole Miss before Ferguson got hurt, but then. I thought Darian Dalcourt had a much better performance in Starkville last week, and so I do expect him to start um, over at right guard. We will see the same five, but uh, they've got options. Like We've seen Elijah Pritchett go in the game for Caden Proctor. We've seen Terrence Ferguson go in the game at right guard. Um, I, me and Katie have been talking about it all year, even before the season started. We felt that there were three guys, that being J.C. Latham, Tyler Booker, and Seth McLaughlin, that were going to start um, and be no doubts every game. Obviously, you're talking about the snapping issues, which have been an issue, but um, – I think it's all about communication, and once they can get that figured out, once Seth can start um, nailing down snaps, everything will be fine. Um, because I don't think he's been an issue in terms of just playing offensive line. It's just been snaps have not been working, um, and, and it's something they've got to get figured out. I mean, I've joked about it with Blake Byler. I mean, you think about Alabama basketball having trouble throwing the ball in on inbound passes. Um, so there's just little things sometimes that don't really make sense why they're struggling with it, but it, is, it has been a problem. Uh, but expect the same starting five out there at least to start the game on Saturday. All right, let's talk about something uh, off the field that we'll relate to on the field just a little bit. All right, Texas A&M lost, or beat Arkansas last weekend uh, pretty handily. Uh, what was that score? Let's see. What was that score? They, they beat Arkansas, okay, out in Jerry World, and basically uh, they took a close game in the first half and, and made it not so close in the second half. It ended up being, uh, ended up being 34-22, so 12-point ball game. All right, so uh, I like off-the-field stories, and the fun off-the-field story, look, Arkansas, whatever. 
A&M's got credit for beating Auburn and beating Arkansas. I'm not real sure how quality those wins are. A lot of people are pointing at Auburn's uh, victory or moral victory against Georgia uh, this past weekend and saying, oh, look, though, well, that must mean that Texas A&M beat a good team. And then you beat, you know, see Arkansas take LSU to the wire and you think, oh, that must mean that Texas A&M beat a good team. Uh, well, off the field concerns for the Arkansas Razorbacks gives me a little bit of a uh, pause. Dan Enos, our friend Dan Enos, uh, has now reportedly uh, has now reportedly been emailing uh, fans back to <laughs> question his play calling. Um, Michael, we, we we know Matt Canada up in uh, up in uh, Pittsburgh has been now exposed for having a burner account on Twitter for defending his own play calling and defending his own offense. It sounds like now Dan Enos has said it with his chest. Our man Dan Enos, who fixed Jalen Hurts, not Lincoln Riley. Uh, Dan Enos fixed Jalen Hurts and then left in the night to go to Miami. We all know the story from Nick Saban looking up. Where's Dan? Uh, Michael, what do you think about uh, the dysfunction going on at Arkansas and what it may mean for – does it take any luster away from these two wins that that, that a has had? I mean, you're seeing the circle that I'm connecting. You see all the dots. You're, you're breaking this story to me a little bit. As, yeah, as for Matt Canada, he, he made a burner with his work email, so it wasn't hard to, uh, <laughs> to, to figure that one out. You got to respect it from Dan Enos if he's just, you know, putting his name to it directly and replying to fans with his email – but as for Arkansas, I don't think it necessarily <laughs> takes it. They're okay. I, I I was very impressed with them after LSU. KJ Jefferson, I flip-flop back and forth on him on a week-to-week basis. Like, after the LSU game, I was ready to say he's the best quarterback in the SEC. Oh, my like, God. Like, or at least right up there in that upper echelon. And then it feels like right when he's ready to take that next step and, and like, cement that, he puts up a stinker. It, it kind of has been the KJ Jefferson cycle for three years now. And uh, yeah, so he, he just isn't that guy. And it is what it is. I'm a, I'm a big fan of KJ Jefferson. I love watching him play, but he's not, you know, I think Jaden Daniels is better than him and it is what it is there. Uh, but anyway, all that being said, yeah, and it's not like this impressive, great win for, uh, for A&M over Arkansas. I think Alabama should handle Arkansas rather easily uh when when they come in for homecoming which by the way if you saw that solar eclipse story but a, lot of people, a lot of people are saying oh look at all the sacks that they got look at the pressure they put on auburn and on on a they're gonna kill alabama's offensive line extrapolate that out arkansas's offensive line is not good offense uh, and uh, now auburn auburn's offensive line is probably the strength of their entire offense they don't have a quarterback to save their life say, auburn's offensive line is good their quarterbacks stink. Their quarterbacks are terrible. So, like, what, what are we taking away from the fact that Auburn couldn't score an offensive touchdown in College Station? I think it was funny. Like, I, there was a big back and forth between Auburn fans and Alabama fans on Twitter before the season. Like, Peyton Thorne is so much better than Jalen Milrow. Well, guess what? No, he's not. Peyton Thorne is terrible. He's been horrible. That Auburn offense is a joke. They had a respectable performance against Georgia. They still didn't throw for 100 yards. 88 yards passing. It's been like eight straight games that that Auburn offense has not thrown for 100 yards. It's 2023, and that Auburn offense cannot throw for 100 yards. I mean, so I'm not going to take a single – thing into the fact that 
they couldn't score an offensive touchdown at AM. I don't care. Peyton Thorne's just going to stand on the, he can run, but he can't throw. He can't throw. They can't, that offense cannot throw the ball right now. So I don't care. How, they could have sacked him a million times. I don't care. I mean, Milrow is prone to taking sacks though. He has been. I mean, he's like, you saw it against Mississippi state. He'll run from clean protection. He'll dash out to his right and he'll take a sack. So I do worry about that. That's why I said at the beginning of this, he needs to be able to stand in the pocket and find, and find some receivers and make some tough throws. I'm not super confident yet that he's able to do that, but it's going to be a telling game. And like I said, too, defense travels. They need the whole day and then below 20 in this one. They just need to. Teddy Wyndham. Does the Arkansas win, the Auburn win, mean much for Texas A&M? Because, I mean, a lot of people are thinking, oh, well, they're 2-0 in the SEC. They're 4-1. They went, you know, they they got momentum. Look at what they've done defensively since they've beaten Miami. Oh, gosh, they're going to tear Jalen Milrow apart. The offensive line can't handle I mean, yes, they got a lot of five stars. They got a lot of highly rated recruits. But just watching the film, I don't know that you can take a whole lot uh, from the first five games into this weekend's game. I mean, the wins mean something. Winning, you know, in the SEC is always challenging to do. Now, I guess really they haven't played a road game in the SEC yet because Auburn was at home in the Arkansas games in Jerry World. So, and I mean, this one's not on the road either. Which, when I was looking at that their schedule, I was thinking they're they're back into the schedule. It's got to be loaded with away games, uh, but it's kind of not because of the way the neutral site thing works. Anyway, um. I mean, it, it is hard to know what to take. I didn't really get to watch either of those games. Um, like like Michael said with K.J. Jefferson, he's just hard to figure out because that LSU-Arkansas game, I believe, was the day of the Alabama Ole Miss game. So when I got home that night, or when I was driving back from Brighton, I was listening on the radio, so back and forth, I get home, I turn it on, see the end of that game. You know, Arkansas is trading blows with LSU, but then, you know, also LSU is kind of an enigma at this point. Um, and, you know, the Arkansas offense did not look good last week against A&M. Um, so I, I don't know how much we're going to be able to take from those. I think this week will be obviously a bigger test for uh, A&M, but then also I think because it's at home, that gives them a little bit of an edge and maybe why that line has gone down to one point. I saw an interesting uh, tweet today, I think maybe from Brett Murphy, that this is the first time Alabama has been favored by less than 10 points against an unranked team since like 2015. And last time they've been favored by less than three points against an unranked team since Florida State in 2007. So this is pretty uh, – which a lot of people, you know, think the A&M should be ranked, and obviously if they win this game, they will be. But um, it's, a, it's a very similar situation to two years ago when A&M was unranked, but maybe could have been when Alabama went, went over to College Station. Austin put out that uh, put out that theory earlier in the week. So, Austin, you, you said, oh, why isn't A&M ranked? And I kind of pushed back to you in a comment on your Twitter machine – well, what make the case for some of these wins? Why should A and M be ranked? They're four and one SEC team. I mean, they they've dominated, really dominated both their games so far um, in conference play. They lost at Miami, who's a ranked team, and it seems like they've been they're being penalized for it. I understand that this is a little bit different this year. There's a lot of undefeated teams that are still in the top twenty-five, so it makes sense that maybe they're not in there. But just based on an eye test thing, I mean. What I've seen from Texas A&M, they look like a ranked team. And you're going to tell me that uh, Texas A&M's have one-point underdog against Alabama. What other team in the top 25 from 15 back would be a one-point underdog against Alabama tomorrow? None of them. So, uh, yeah, I mean, if you look at it that way, Texas A&M should be a ranked team, in my opinion. Um, and Vegas agrees. I mean, we're looking at almost a pick tomorrow. 
And I don't think there's anybody that's in the back half of that top 25 that would be in that same situation against Alabama. So uh, they're a really good team. I, I think they're probably a top 20 team. Um, people are going to find that out tomorrow. I think it's going to be a really, really competitive game. And, um, you know, Alabama's got a chance full. They beat New Mexico and ULM. Like, come on. no, There's no good wins on their schedule, Michael Bronner. I think Austin makes a good point, uh, especially Vegas line-wise. I'm sure ESPN FBI has them probably top 20, I would guess, especially, uh, you know, given that it's a one-point spread. That being said, you know, he also brings up a good point that there's a lot of good teams that are ranked. But also, yeah, there's not a team ranked below 15 that even at home would be a one-point underdog or a pick against Alabama tomorrow. All this being said, I kind of think Alabama is going to lose tomorrow. Uh, oh. Like, And if I were to make an official prediction on it. We'll, we'll nail you down here. Go If you want to go I ahead mean, and give it. I don't know. I, I, I am, I'm pretty nervous. I do think Alabama – has a really good chance of lo- that. That's been the feeling I've gotten all week. Now that being said, I think A and M is going to slip up at some point down the line. I think it, I think there's a good chance that Alabama loses this game and still finds a way to win the SEC West because I don't think Alabama's going to lose to LSU. I know Alabama's not going to lose to Tennessee, and you know I I think this is the hardest game left on Alabama's schedule if you look forward at it. Uh, I mean, obviously there's the Iron Bowl at, at Jordan Hare, and you never know what you're going to get in that scenario, but. You know, I, this is really – you win this game as, as Alabama, you're, you're on the fast track. I really feel good about where things are going. I guess it's how you win this game. Uh, but, yeah, I, I, I kind of think Alabama is going to lose tomorrow. I mean, does this feel like an 11-1, and 10-2 team? It hasn't yet. Uh, but they're still developing, and they'll, they're still figuring it out. So, I don't know. We'll, I, we'll see. I can see it going a lot of ways tomorrow. All right, let's flip to what, probably my favorite, my favorite matchup. For tomorrow's game, the Texas A&M receivers, Anaya Smith, Evan Stewart, and Noah Thomas against Alabama's defensive secondary, Terry and Arnold, Gouet McKinstry, Malachi Moore, Caleb Downs in there as well. Katie Wyndham, when you're up in the stadium, you're going to get the bird's eye view, so you're going to see this matchup really, really clearly. What is your feel? I mean, Anaya Smith's been talking a lot of junk. Well, a lot is relative. He's been talking a little bit of how personal it is. And Terry and Arnold kind of had his response. So you, you you know that they're going to be chatting throughout the game. Terry and Arnold already admitted that he and Evan Smith, Evan Stewart are good buddies and will chat throughout the entire game. What's going to be your matchup or your make of the matchup on the outside of the A&M offense against the, the Alabama defense? Yeah, I think this is probably the most, like if we talked earlier about the A&M defensive line versus all Alabama offensive line, maybe the key matchup. This is maybe the most like publicized matchup of the week just because of kind of what happened in media, which I had somebody ask me about the Anaya Smith things. And I meant to go back and look at the context of, and I, I never did, but like what question he was asked that led him to saying that. Because a lot of times players don't just bring stuff up. It is kind of in the context of the question. So I would be extra to know that. Uh, but in a way, you know, when I Smith has room to talk trash against Alabama because he's torched them the last couple of years, like they in, in his matchups against Alabama, I think he one of the years he didn't play because he was injured, maybe, but they last haven't been able to stop him. What last year he didn't play. Yeah. Um, you know, he's he's gained a lot of yards. And so uh, but I think Alabama's secondary this year is better than it's been in a couple of years. Um, and we've seen that so far. Now, I don't know if. Um, you know, Texas has got some pretty talented receivers. And Joe, like you've talked about, really the fourth quarter against Texas is probably this defense's, you know, worst quarter, kind of what's 
skewed their stats in any sort of not as great an elite of a um, direction. And so, yeah, I, I don't know. It's going to be a good matchup to watch, but I really think uh, obviously the, these AM receivers are talented. They're part of, you know, some of the, the highly rated guys that Jimbo's brought in. Um, but I like the way the Alabama's DB has been playing so far this year. And so uh, there, there definitely is that, that added layer, that extra element this week because of kind of a, a little bit of media back and forth. And I wonder how much Terry on and Evan Stewart have been uh, talking throughout the week. I'm bringing back Austin here. Okay, so we, we've been watching uh, Alabama's defense throughout the year. Alabama's defense sat back and played a lot of coverage and didn't really blitz against a, a Texas. Now, that has really, really changed throughout the last, what, three weeks, USF, Old Miss, Mississippi State. Alabama's been bringing the heat up front. Uh, Coach Saban said after that Texas game, oh, well, we didn't really want to pressure them. We were trying to help in the back end. Uh, that obviously didn't work. What will we see defensively from a game plan uh, from a game plan standpoint with Kevin Steele, uh, Kevin Steele, Traveris Robinson, Nick Saban? Are they going to stick to the plan the last three weeks, bringing heat, bringing stunts, bringing blitzes from all over the field, leaving the defensive backs one on one out there in the back end, or is he going to feel nervous about these receivers? Because these receivers, as Katie just outlined, they're pretty dang good. Yeah, I mean the results. I mean the Texas game, you said not much blitz. What happened? They lost. Last three games, they've been bringing pressure. What happened? They've won, and they've looked pretty impressive. So uh, I think that kind of determines it. I don't know. I think the thing was they respected Quinn Ewers a lot. Um, And and when you look at the numbers deep down, Quinn Ewers wasn't very good against the Blitz. But I don't think that they really took enough of that into account. Uh, And then they they trusted – they didn't necessarily trust the back end, like you said, to stop those Texas receivers. So – I think what's different about this week is Max Johnson obviously wasn't even the starting quarterback at Texas A&M. So if you let him stand back there and just pick you apart, then you're doing something wrong. I mean, you've got to absolutely bring pressure. You've got to absolutely make him uncomfortable um, because they've got the depth and they've got the the veteran leadership at wide receiver, uh, but they don't necessarily have, you know, the experience at quarterback. He's, He's obviously started a lot of games. He's played a lot of games. But this is a guy that was not the number one guy on their depth chart at the beginning of the year. So you've got to make him uncomfortable. Um, and if you don't, I mean, you could see a very similar thing that you saw in the fourth quarter against the Longhorns when the receivers just started kind of getting open uh, late in the game. The defensive backs kind of wore down, and, and Texas decided to start taking some deep shots, and it worked. So uh, I think Alabama's got to get ahead of that. They've got to bring the pressure. They've got to get after Max Johnson, or else these receivers could give them a hard time again. Katie, have you been out to college? Were you out there two years ago? I was. I'm, this will be actually my fifth time out here, but I was covering the game two years ago and was down on the field at the end. Perfect. Thankfully, I made it back to the tunnels before uh, there were too many fans on the field. Tell everybody just how loud it is because I had a, I had a, uh, Michael will know, I had an intern that went out there two years ago and she came back and said, oh, it's the loudest place I've ever been in my life. So, you know, obviously people think about LSU, people think about Tennessee, uh, compare it maybe to those environments and wh- how loud it's going to be. Yeah, I mean, they're, I'm pretty sure their press box is completely enclosed. I'm trying to remember, so it's harder to hear in there. But it does get so loud that the pre- and with their swaying that the press box will literally sway. I think it's just the combination of how loud they are and the size. I mean, Kyle Field is, by capacity, the largest stadium in the SEC. And so um, I don't – like. I don't know if it's necessarily like the toughest environment in SEC, especially for Alabama. Like I think that might be Auburn or LSU, but I mean, I think Saban said last night on Hey Coach that two years ago, it was just really tough for them to communicate. I mean, it it is super loud because 
It's a massive stadium. It's a ton of people yelling. It's closed in on every side, so the noise gets trapped in there. They do their chants. They do their swing. They do their yelling. They do their banging the Aggie ring on stuff. So uh, it, it is super loud. It, and they do live up to the title of 12th man. It's a, it's a fair one. You know, sometimes people like to say, we have the best fans in the country. But um, and I'm not saying they do or don't have the best fans. I'm just saying they do have super, super loud fans. It creates a, a very difficult environment for the because I think sometimes that is overplayed or overblown of, you know, anytime teams go on the road, we're asking, you know, how, how do you handle the noise? And, but I, I think it, it does live up to it at a and What do you think? Uh, I mean, Mississippi state obviously cleared out early, but compare it to, to last week's game, because last week it was Jalen Miller's first true road start. Obviously he went to, he was, got thrown into the Arkansas game last season. Uh, but last week was the first true road start do you think that that gives any sort of preparation for this offense? I think it does. I think it's good that they had that right before because obviously Mississippi State's a smaller stadium. They're not as good of a team right now, so their fans aren't going to be as into it. But the Cowbells alone create a – you know, they follow the rules where they stop ringing until the ball's under center. But really, I've always thought fans a lot of times will wait to start yelling until the teams have broken the huddle. But I'm like, you need to yell when they're in the huddle and trying to, you know, figure out the play. And uh, Mississippi State's able to do that with the Cowbells. And so – I think it was a good little like warm up or a stepping stone for them to get that for Milro to get his first road start, um, significant playing time on the road um, with this particular offensive line. I think it was good for them to work through some communication issues because we saw that very wasn't it the very first drive when uh, Seth snapped the ball that Jalen wasn't ready for? Or was that the second drive? Uh, it was a second drive because they went three and out. Uh, they went four and out uh, on the first drive. They had a twelve yard rush and then uh, okay. ran himself into yeah. a. Four-yard rush, and then I think it was an incomplete pass. So we saw some early miscommunication issues in that game. Um, and we saw last year a lot when Alabama was on the road struggling with procedural penalties and not being able to deal with the noise. Um, it's been a little better this year, but I think we'll probably, just because of the nature of the environment, see some false starts probably tomorrow, uh, legal motion, whatever. Uh, hopefully there won't be more of the whatever the snap infractions they, deal, they dealt with early in the season. But – um, I think last week was, in a way, kind of like the perfect warm-up for Alabama where it's not as tough of a team, not as tough of an environment, but still a super loud environment because the Cowboys to get them ready for this big road test they have tomorrow. All right, Michael, I'm throwing it back to you because I want two perspectives. I want one uh, second – I, I, I want to know what's the mobile feel on the Auburn – on the Auburn moral victory against against uh, against Georgia, we're about to start moving into some of these other SEC games, uh, and, and so what's the mobile feel? You you get both both fan bases really uh, calling into your radio shows and, and and hanging out with you guys on 105.1 WNSP. What's been the mobile feel for uh, the Auburn? We almost beat Georgia last weekend. Yeah, I don't, you know, I'll throw myself in this group because I don't think many gave them much of a shot. Uh, we had a guy, it was Mike Griffith. Uh, for, oh, yeah, we, Dog Nation. Yeah, we had Dog Nation Mike Griffith on on Friday uh, before the game, and he kind of said, honestly, he credit to him, he kind of predicted exactly how the game was going to go, and all the comments in our app were flooding, like, oh, this Georgia fan's really trying to spin it like, Georgia, like Auburn has a chance in this game. And then, uh, you know, that's uh, Auburn fans included were commenting stuff like that. So I don't think they thought they really had much of a chance. And then the way it went, uh, yeah, I mean, I think there's some optimism moving forward. I think for Auburn at this point, uh, the mood kind of remains the same. 
I think there's optimism and correctly so that Hugh Freeze is the guy. Uh, I think Hugh Freeze was the right hire. I think it only, I mean, throw the on-field product out the window. I think it took one offseason to show that. I think what he's done from a recruiting standpoint, one offseason in, that's all it took for, I think, most Auburn fans to be all in. And yes, the team is not good, but the team also has like 43 new players right now. So, you know, I, I think expectations going into the season because of the recruiting momentum they had during the offseason got a little bit sky high. And then, you know, they, they have their first game at California in that late night road game uh, right after Alabama's loss against Texas. And, you know, they score 14 points and barely beat California. And I think the expectations at that point were a little bit tempered. People realized like, all right, we, this team has big problems on offense, but, you know, Freeze has got to get his guys in here or whatever cliche term you want to put on it. Uh, but again, this team has 43 new players. You know, they're going to be fine. Uh, I think as for Georgia, yeah, I mean, it's a sign of what would it have been a program changing victory or again, you know, whatever term you want to put on it. Sure. I guess, but results wise for this season, you win versus you lose that game. I mean, Auburn's not winning anything major this season either way. So, I mean, I think it's encouraging no matter what. Are they going to win the iron bowl? He lost to Georgia. He's going to win one of those two games. Ah, oh, that's my, that was my fit. That was my take going into the season that he was going to get one of those two games. And I, I don't know, I'm going to go too. I've never been to an Iron Bowl at, at Auburn. Uh, and well, I can tell you uh, how that is too. Golly. Oh, I don't know. Like, probably. <laughs> like, you want my honest opinion? Probably. Uh, like, what, what, again, you know, maybe I'll change my tune if Alabama has a great performance on the road this week at, at Kyle Field. But what has this Alabama team shown you to give you any confidence that they're going on the road to Jordan Hare? and win the Iron Bowl. If there's anything to take confidence in, it's that this Auburn team is bad, but this Auburn team is not worse than they were in 2021 when Bryce Young needed a miracle 99-yard drive to pull it out in overtime. I mean, this Auburn team is better than that Auburn team was, and Brian Harson was the head coach. So, yeah, I mean, if you ask me right now, I think I think Auburn probably is going to win the Iron Bowl. But oh, we'll no. you know, my, my buddy likes to call me a pessimist when it comes to Alabama, so I like to keep expectations low and be pleasantly surprised. We need this season of, like, you know, rooting out the complacency and appreciating winning more. Absolutely. I agree with that. Katie, Katie Kirby Smart said this week, every SEC team deserves to be ranked. It just drove me up the wall. Come on, Kirby. You, you, you don't just- you're doing this coach speak. You're doing this. like, But have you watched Vanderbilt? Have you watched Mississippi State? Have you watched like, – oh, the bottom end of the league is bad. Yeah, I mean, well, that that is just coach speak. As you know, Saban said last week the Mississippi State was the second best team they'd played so far, which he obviously knew that wasn't true. Um, or then you wonder why why was the Ole Miss game as close as it was if Mississippi State is better than Ole Miss. But uh, – no, no, not all SEC teams deserve to be ranked. It is kind of interesting because I've written the ranking stories for us the last two uh, Sundays looking at how many SEC teams are in the top 25 and some of those that are on the bottom end of it right now with Kentucky and Missouri that we're maybe not as used to seeing up there. I mean, Kentucky's, they're always kind of sprinkled in there with Mark Stoops because, and then they like fall off cliff. I thought it was really interesting last Friday with, uh, what was his name, Steve, that was on the show? Steve. Talking yeah. about, you know, which is program is better, Mississippi State or Kentucky, and the perception's Kentucky. But if, you know, Kentucky was in the West, Mississippi State was in the East, Mississippi State would pick up a couple more wins every year. And if Kentucky was in the West, I don't think Mark Stoops would be as, be, would have been there as long as he's been. Um, so, 
yeah, there. This is an interesting year for the SEC. I mean, it's, look at the West. We're um, you know only five weeks in, and every team has at least one loss. Not every loss in conference play, but um, every team's lost at least once. And when's the last time you know that happened? I mean, maybe it's more recent than I'm thinking of, but it, it's an interesting year in the SEC. We're seeing some teams ranked that maybe aren't normally, and we're seeing some teams that are used to being in the top five, top ten that aren't. I mean, Alabama's not in the top ten right now. LSU is not in the top 10. Tennessee is not in the top 10. Not that they're, they've necessarily been used to being there the last 15 years or so, but recently more a little bit. Um, and so, yeah, it's an interesting year in the SEC. And it's another good week of uh, games this week. Awesome. We've talked a lot about the A&M and Alabama matchup already so far. Uh, we hit offensive line versus A&M's defensive line. We hit Alabama's defensive backs versus A&M's uh, wide receivers. What's an area or what's an aspect of the game that we haven't hit that you're really uh, that you're really kind of looking out for tomorrow at Kyle Field? Yeah, I think it's got to be – well, obviously, I think the offensive line, Alabama's versus Texas A&M's front, is, is definitely the biggest story. Uh, but since we've already touched on that, another thing I'll be looking out for, it's got to be the turnovers and it's got to be special teams. I think these two teams are great on defense. I think this is going to be a kind of muck it up, low scoring, uh, who can mess up that first kind of game. Uh, going to be scored in the teens and the low 20s. And so hunting from James Burns is going to be important. Making field goals, will record obviously perfect on the year. That's going to be important. And I think the turnover battle is going to be huge. I mean, this is a team in Texas A&M that's turned the ball over seven times this year. Alabama's had its struggles too. They've turned it over four times. Um, and it's both quarterbacks have kind of been liable to doing that. So if you do that in a game like this, you're probably going to get beat. Um, and so I think it's going to be important for Jalen Milrow, for Max Johnson to, to protect the football, to keep their offense on the field as long as they can, because the defenses are already so good that you can't beat yourself on top of that. So um, I think if Milrow can protect the football, Alabama can win the turnover battle. I think that gives them a, a great chance to win the football game way as well, because it, things are going to be, it's going to be hard to run the ball. It's going to be hard to, to move the football down to, on Texas A&M's defense. And so Alabama's probably got to go in the air a lot more than they have the last couple of weeks. And does that mean more interceptions? If, if for Alabama, if that's the case, then they're going to be in a lot of trouble. Well, it's time. Let's move on to the other four SEC games. We'll make picks on the four SEC games, and we'll round it out with Alabama A&M, the, uh, our, our final predictions. All right, so 11 a.m. tomorrow, we find out, is Missouri really for real? Missouri, a five-point home underdog against the LSU Tigers. We'll, go, we'll just go around the horn, Michael, Katie, Austin, and then myself. LSU at Missouri, 11 a.m. tomorrow. Who wins? LSU in a close one where they give up a lot of points again. Uh, I like it. Okay, Katie. I can't. I cannot. I can't decide on this one. I, I, to be honest, I haven't watched Missouri. I don't think once this year. Um, so I really don't know a lot of what they have. I saw their kick against Kansas State at the end or whoever that was at uh, the long field goal that they reared down in Tampa. Um, it's just hard for me to believe that they have. Like, even though LSU has lost twice, I feel like the talent gap between these programs is still probably big enough that LSU wins. LSU for Katie. Austin, you going three in a row? Yeah, I think this one's, this one's interesting because everybody wants upset because Missouri's 5-0, and LSU's 3-2, and and you're like, why is LSU favored on the road against a team that's not lost a game? They're favored and they should be. LSU wins and they cover. Uh, I think they still have everything in front of them right now. They still have SEC West in front of them. Uh, the Blake in the car earlier that they've still got – their college football playoff hopes ahead of them. If they're able to win out, win the SEC, I mean, they're in. You can't tell me they're not. So 
I think they're going to play that way, and I think they win and cover. Oh, all right. So I'm going to go oddball. I'm taking Missouri. I'm taking Eli Drinkwitz. I think that uh, LSU is in a place of shambles, especially in their defensive backfield. And, uh, you know, Missouri, they're riding high, riding some momentum. Uh, Maybe it's just my love for Eli Drinkwitz, and I want to hear crying Brian Kelly after the game. Uh, I'll take Missouri to win win at home and keep their undefeated season going. Uh, We're skipping Western Michigan and Mississippi State, even though Western Michigan coached by former Alabama football player Lance Taylor will go on to uh, Vanderbilt at Florida. Florida, they're they're an 18-and-a-half-point home favorite. Michael Bronner, is Vanderbilt going to get their first SEC win? No. (laughs) Florida, big one. (laughs) Katie? Yeah, I haven't been super impressed with Florida this year, but I think Vanderbilt at home is just what the doctor ordered for them, so I'm going to go Florida. Dr. Hannon? Yeah, there's no chance. Uh, Florida knows that they have to win this game or else Billy Napier's in a lot of trouble. They're at home. Vandy has no hope. And like you mentioned earlier, Kirby Smart saying everybody should be ranked in the SEC, not Vandy. Florida wins at home. I'm making it four for four. Florida's a different team when they play at home when the versus when they play on the road. So I think that they are going to have a nice and easy win tomorrow against Vanderbilt. All right, six o'clock, probably the most interesting game outside of the Alabama A&M game. Number twenty Kentucky, undefeated. Number twenty Kentucky, going between the hedges, playing the Georgia Bulldogs. Georgia, wow, fourteen and a half point favorite. Michael Bronner, does Big Blue have any hope? Shocking the nation. I think they have hope. I don't think they win. I do think they cover that 14 and a half. I like Devin Leary. I like that Kentucky offense. No, they're not going to go. I tell you what, I might pick Kentucky if this game was uh, in Lexington, but it's not. It's in Athens. So I'll, I'll take Georgia, but I will take Kentucky in the points. Katie, they, Georgia had a struggle win last week. Are they going to uh, stay undefeated? Uh, yeah, I think they do. Similar to Michael, maybe if this game's in Lexington, I pick Kentucky. Because this Georgia offense has not looked good this year. They kind of got rescued by Brock Bowers, who's you know arguably the best player in the country last week. Uh, but because this game's in Athens, I just I would love to see Kentucky upset Georgia, uh, but I don't think it's going to happen. Austin, you're going to go with Big Blue? Last week, everybody wanted Florida, and I took the Cats. And I was right about them then. I can't do it again. I Like Michael said, I do think they cover the spread. I think that number's too big. Georgia hasn't proven over the last few weeks that they can win uh, a team like Kentucky by that much. So I think Kentucky keeps it close, but Georgia will find a way to win again. Uh, we'll go four for four on the panel. Georgia Bulldogs keep it keep it going, and they're just going to take full control of the SEC. Well, if Missouri wins, like I said, then they'll still have to uh, beat Missouri in the, to take control of the East. All right, last matchup of the night. No 8 p.m. matchup this week? Oh, gosh. Okay, Arkansas is going on the road to take on Ole Miss. Lane Train and them boys, 11.5-point favorites. Michael Bronner, does Jackson Dart keep it going? Yeah, I'm done believing in Arkansas. Give me Ole Miss and the points. Good boy. Good boy. <laughs> Miss Katie? Yeah, I think the lane train keeps rolling. Uh, Arkansas, you know, you talk about uh, – Austin talks about Billy Napier being in trouble. I think Sam Pittman may be uh, in trouble pretty soon because uh, it, it, Arkansas drops this game. They'll be 2-4 and four and then playing at Alabama next week, 2-5. and five. Things aren't looking super great for the Razorbacks. So, yeah, I got Ole Miss. Austin, you're probably almost to Arkansas. Are you going to take uh, – are you smell, taking the pigs? This one's really interesting. This matchup has been so wild since really forever, as long as I can remember. It seems like these games get crazy. Uh, of course, Alabama fans remember the, the Hunter Henry throw behind your head to Alex Collins. Of course, rest in peace to Alex Collins. Um, 
But I, I think the Ole Miss at home, it, it is an opportunity for Ole Miss to kind of lay an egg after what they did against LSU last week. I think there's a lot of points. I think Arkansas keeps it kind of interesting. And I wouldn't be shocked if they won outright, but I will go with Ole Miss officially. Yeah, I am not a believer in Arkansas. They're a bad football team. I'm taking Lane Kiffin to win and win handily in Oxford. All right, time everybody's been waiting on. We're going to make our picks for A&M and Alabama over there at 2.30 on CBS and follow all the coverage uh, at Bama Central. Michael, are you all 'all on the Crimson Tide Sports Network? Uh, we so we broadcast the games on 92 Zoo, our sister station. So, All right, so you can listen to it on 92 92 Zoo, 92.1 if you're in the 251 or the Sound of Mobile app. There you go, you can listen to Crimson Tide Sports Network on 92.1 in uh in South Alabama down there in Mobile, uh, Alabama over in over in College Station, two point favorite officially from our friends at Caesars. Uh, right there on on the ESPN website, uh, Michael. What do you think? Are you gonna? And you can give a final score if you'd like. But really, we're most interested in the line, the line and the pick. Alabama twenty four to twenty. I won't. I won't go out on the limb of taking A and M to win this game. Uh, I am nervous, but I do think Alabama gets it done in a close one. Uh, like I said, I think it comes down to Jalen Miller's ability to get it done. Uh, but I'll take Alabama twenty four to twenty. I do have to run, guys. i got to get back to the station by noon. But thank you so much for having me. Katie, Austin, been a pleasure. Happy birthday, Joe. Thank you, Michael. Thanks for your time. Listen to Michael Bronner on the Sound of Mobile app, WNSP 105.1, and follow him at WNSP on the Twitter machine. Michael, have a great day, man. Thanks for your time. And we're going to go. Katie, everybody got back on the board last week with a win. So we're going to keep the good momentum going. What's the pick? What's the feel out there in College Station? Well, this one's a little tougher because it basically is like covering is basically picking them to win. So this is probably the toughest one for me to pick so far this year. Probably the one I have the least confidence in. Um, But I'm going to stick with what I said last week. And I think Alabama does cover uh, and ultimately win because I think this game is kind of a, a linchpin in the season of can this team get back in the playoff race? Can they compete for an SEC title, or are we going to have to kind of put the season to bed by Alabama standards in October? Austin Hannon, you're almost there. You and then Blake, if Blake's in the car. Let's get his pick as well. Uh, I, I, I didn't mean to ignore him the whole dang time, like a, like a like a jerk. What do you think about uh, what do you think about A and M and Alabama? Alabama minus two on the line. Yeah, hey Joe. Austin wants me to go first, so it, it's a tough one. Y'all have said about all of the really close margins that this game is going to have. The minus one or minus two line is that what we're minus two? Minus two line. I'm going to have to go with Alabama to win the game, and actually, you'll have to go with the cover. Just because when it comes down to pick them, you kind of still have to trust things. Um, I think Alabama is going to be able to uh, kind of like Austin talks about. Maybe key turnovers, maybe all short field Texas territory. I trust Alabama's defense. Um, the offense is going to be a struggle, but um, I think this is whatever Alabama's going to rise to the occasion. It's going to be a really close game. Um, low score again, but I can think Alabama does it. Alabama does come to two points. Austin? Yeah. yeah. Um, I've been switching around all week on this one. I, I really don't have a good feel. I don't know what's going to happen. I've been pretty – I was kind of stuck by my picks so far on your show. Um, 
this one's weird. This one's weird because I don't, I don't know what Alabama we're going to see. Are we going to see the Alabama that we've seen the last two weeks, or are they going to play different like they did against Texas? Um, like Blake said, I mean, we talked about it earlier. When it's this close, when it's kind of a coin flip, when it's kind of nobody knows who's going to win, usually you pick Nick Saban and, and the Alabama Crimson Tide over whoever they're playing. So I'm going to do that. I think Alabama wins by a point or two. So it's I'll, I'll, I'll give them the cover as well, but my final score is going to be Alabama 20, Texas A&M 19. I like it. I like it. Okay, okay. And so I will round us out. We'll go all Bama across the board. I'm going Alabama 27-24, taking the win and the cover. I just think that uh, Texas A&M, not quite paper tiger, but uh, not quite as formidable as everybody is uh, maybe give, giving them credit for. Uh, I think the Alabama defense is for real. Not Maybe not quite 2016, maybe not quite 2011 or 2009, but their own kind of version of that. If Nick, if Nick Saban – T-Rob and Kevin Steele dial up the blitz. I think that's going to create a lot of problems and, uh, and, and you know, give Alabama a lot of chances. Uh, I think, I, I don't know. Last weekend's game against Mississippi State, I know everybody wanted to see Milrow throw the ball a little bit more, and I re- legitimately think he was actually 11 of 12, not 10 of 12. Uh, Nick Saban should have challenged that, uh, that, that the, the touchdown pass to uh, – to Amari Nightblack, I think he was in the end zone right there. That would have made a lot of people feel a whole lot better with the 185-yard passing line instead of 160 yards and the touchdown on the board as well. Uh, I think that he's going to make enough plays. I think he's just going to get out there and make enough plays. It's not going to be pretty. It's not going to be Bryce Young ever. It's not going to be Mac Jones looking smooth out there. Uh, but I just think he's just going to find a way to get it done. So I'm going 27-24. to 24. And everybody needs to follow the, 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 our three guests today, Katie Windham, Blake Byler, and Matthew, oh, excuse me, Allison Hannon. Uh, got everybody's name on the brain today. Actually, I saw Matthew yesterday when I got my hair cut at Greasy Hands Barbershop. I looked up, and there he was. So I said, oh, hey, Matthew. Um, and so follow Katie Windham, at Katie Windham underscore, at Austin Hannon underscore. I think Blake is at Blake underscore Byler. Uh, on the X machine. So we're going to hang out all of those guys out there in college station boots on the ground. They're going to have their earplugs out there for the 12th man. Are y'all going to uh, midnight yell practice tonight? I'm not. Nobody's going to midnight yell. That's all right. I will say, I will say, um, I do. My mom is very much an Aggie. She graduated from Texas A&M University. Um, me and my family, along with her, went out to College Station in 2011, back when they were still in the Big 12, back when Ryan Tannehill was still the signal caller. Um, and I got to partake in a midnight yell practice, but no, not, not this week. Well, we will uh, be following all the coverage tomorrow at BamaCentral.com and all our friends out there on the uh, on the ground. I want to thank Michael Bronner for jumping in and joining me. A couple of my friends jumped in for just a minute. I think they were afraid. I think they were afraid to stay too long. Uh, didn't want to didn't want to ruin something that's unruinable. This is not a not a formal <laughs> formal environment. But you guys have a great day. You guys be safe on your travels. Blake and Austin are driving at the moment. Katie's only about an hour and a half away now, so she's pretty close to College Station. Thanks, everybody, for joining us. We're going to have recap on Monday. Uh, win or lose, we'll break down the game on Monday on the Joe Gaither Show on BamaCentral.com. So for everybody, for Katie Wyndham, thank you. Austin Hannon, thank you. Blake Byler, keeping everybody on the road. I appreciate that and safe. Thank you, everybody, for watching and joining us. You can watch us on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, listen on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Amazon, and follow all the coverage on Bama Central and BamaCentral.com.